Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. somebody by your side. Let there be silence just for a minute. The Lord is on the throne. You squeeze their hand and say a silent prayer for the person you are holding. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we are here this morning, we pray for your touch. We pray for your word. We pray for your grace. We pray that your word will touch us in different ways. Thus, we shall never be the same. Every area of our lives that requires your touch, we ask, oh God, for your touch this morning. King of glory, give me the confidence to um, share your word exactly the way you want me to share it, so that at the end of the day, lives will be changed, chains will be broken, those who are in bondage will be delivered. The sick shall be healed. In the name of Jesus, we give it God. We give God all the glory. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Let's be seated in the presence of God. So, the title of the message this morning is "Bitterness in Action and Servitude." Let's say that together. Can we say it together confidently? So we're going to be pulling a few lessons from the parable of the lost son, focusing on the older son. Glory to God, somebody. You have the liberty this morning. You can run around if you want to run around. You can shout. You can scream. You can roll on the floor. Whatever you want to do, you got the liberty this morning. Someone say, I've got the liberty. Now, In this parable, there was a dad and two sons. And the Bible says the younger son told his dad, Dad, it it looks as if you won't die very soon. i got to lay hands on this inheritance. And the dad decided, yes, I'll give it to you. So the guy collected. He went to a far place. He began spending, frittering away his inheritance. And at some point, the Bible says there was famine even in that land. So he had to look for a job as somebody taking care of pigs. Somebody says swine. So one day he was watching even the pigs eating. And he was so hungry, he was sort of thinking, if I could get a hold of what the pig is eating, maybe life would be better for me. But the Bible says nobody gave him anything. So he decided, I just got to go back home to my father after all, the slaves in our home, they have three square meals. So he went back home. He said, I would ask my dad to make me a slave. But the dad saw him and was happy, hugging and kissing him. And he called the servant. I put on him even the best robe. I put on his finger even the best ring. I put sandals on his feet. And the Bible says, the father said, kill a fattened calf for him. Someone say fattened calf. 
A fattened calf is an animal that will have been fed a special diet. So that when the animal is cooked, it becomes very flavorsome, it becomes juicy, it tastes very nice. I could see a few of you, you're thinking of a fattened calf already. The Lord will deliver you. <laughs> Isn't it funny how food plays a very huge role in our lives even as believers? The Bible says even Eve was deceived with food, isn't it? And when Satan wanted to tempt Jesus, he actually used the instrumentality of food. And the Bible says in Romans 14, Apostle Paul devoted almost a whole chapter to the issue of food. The kingdom of God is not just about food and drink, isn't it? But, but that's a preaching for another day. Tell your neighbor, it is not just about food. Uh, it is about peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So five lessons we'll be pulling from this parable this morning. And the first one is that the depth of a celebration is often a function of past deprivation. Lesson number one. People in presentation, go with me. Uh, j just say a prayer for them this morning. The depth of a celebration is often a function of past deprivation. In other words, how deep you celebrate is often linked to the kind of suffering you've gone through in the past. And the people, and people of God, there will be those who will not buy into the merriment of your victory. Because not everyone will be happy to celebrate with you. Are you listening to somebody? When you are praising God with reckless abandon, when you are dancing the way David danced, you know, the Bible says uh, David didn't care about the effort. He didn't care about the kingdom. He didn't care about his image. He just said, I just got to dance even before God. And those who are unaware of what we've gone through will never get it. So the young son, uh, he went home. It discovered, people of God, that those he thought would celebrate with him, singing and dancing, they were actually warring against him. And when you've gone through some deprivation, you've gone through challenges, you've gone through trauma, you've been dragged through the mud, but somehow God lifted you up. Is there somebody here that somehow God has lifted you up? You didn't get it. Is there somebody here, you did not even qualify for that job, but somehow God decided to qualify you. Is there somebody here? People look at you, they look at the kind of house you are living. They begin to wonder because somehow God has decided to lift you up. You did not even qualify for that promotion, but somehow God decided to give it to you. Somebody said, glory to God. So the dad said, we got to throw a party for this lost son who is now found. And the older brother, he was so unhappy that a party was being held in honor of his brother. Not knowing, you know, you got to have even a test before you can get a good testimony. You didn't get that. To really enjoy prosperity, you will have gone through some poverty and lack. To enjoy victory, you will have gone through some battle. 
the people of God. The younger son, he faced opposition from an unlikely source, his brother. His brother was incensed. His brother was unhappy because he missed his moment. And when people miss their moment, they tend to want to minimize you, thinking that by minimizing you, that will maximize them. But the devil is a liar. People of God, suddenly, the younger son has become even the first in the affection of his dad. Now, the older son, chronologically, was the number one, wasn't he? But at this point, the last had become the first, and the first had become the last. The script has been changed. Can I prophesy to somebody? Can I prophesy to somebody? Those who have gone ahead of you, the Lord will give you speed. The kind of speed he gave prophet Elijah, who was even running on foot, and he overtook Ahab, who was riding a horse. You will meet those people, you will overtake them, and you will fulfill your destiny. Shout aloud, amen. I say you will fulfill your destiny in the name of Jesus. Lesson number two. Being reactive, not proactive, could be afflictive. And afflictive there is about affliction. Someone say affliction. Someone say affliction. So if you are someone who is uh, reactive, acting after the events, not proactive, it could lead to some affliction. Now, proactive people, they identify problems and propose solutions. You didn't get that. Proactive people, they identify problems and propose solutions. But reactive people, they also identify problems, but after that, all they do is criticize. They see what's wrong in the message. They see what's wrong in the lighting. They see the kind of cho the choice of song of the choir. They criticize everything. But the young son, he was proactive. Someone say he was proactive. Now, the young son made all kinds of mistakes. He made some poor choices. He was impetuous. He was impulsive. You can even argue that he was foolish and greedy. But he was proactive. Someone say proactive. At the point when he discovered that he had a problem, the Bible says he came to his senses. He discovered, I got a problem. I need to sort of find solution to this problem. He decided, the Bible says, to have a conversation with himself. Is there somebody here? You've gotten to the point where now you need to have a conversation with yourself and return back even to God. The younger son said, I got to even solve this problem. And he rediscovered his identity. But the older son, he was reactive, waiting for his father to kill a fattened calf. And he kept on waiting and kept on waiting and refused to be proactive. Being proactive means giving God something to work with. The Bible says the Lord will bless the work of our hands. Is that not correct? So if there's nothing in your hand, what will God bless? The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it, and they are saved. If the righteous refuse to run, there will not be salvation. Psalm 90, 17 says, 
establish the work of our hands for us. So if you're doing nothing, God will establish nothing. Matthew 7, 7 says, knock and keep on knocking. Praise God, somebody. Seek and keep on seeking. Ask and keep on asking. Those are proactive words. If you're not proactive, you just be like the guy in Matthew 25 who buried a single talent and you will become frustrated. And the frustration doesn't open the doors of blessings. It closes it. Is that someone listening this afternoon? People of God, reactive people, we justify our inaction. We keep on singing songs about waiting. We keep on preaching sermons about waiting. And in the process, we misinterpret the scriptures. We say Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That is true. But the kind of waiting the Bible is talking about there is the waiting in expectation. A waiter waits to serve, expecting to serve, expecting to make sure things is, are good in the restaurant for the client. Is that not correct? The waiting the Bible is talking about is like the waiting in a bus station. You wait in the bus station in expectation that the bus will arrive. And then proactively, you will climb on the bus and then you will be on your way. Amen, somebody. Tell your neighbor, be proactive. The benefit of doing nothing is nothing. God is waiting on you to be proactive, not the other way around. Is that somebody listening? You just fold your arms, acquire Sarah, Sarah, what will be, will be. That is not the kind of faith we have. The Bible says the confidence we have is that once we ask God something, he hears us, and once he hears us, he will answer us. Even praying is being proactive. Are you listening to somebody? Tell your neighbor, stop even throwing a pity party. You didn't get that. Stop throwing a pity party. We know that things may be terrible. We know that things may be terrible. Tell your neighbor, we know that things may be terrible, but good times are around the corner. In the name of Jesus, somebody say glory to God. Point number three. Bitterness robs you of the ability to be a better person. Let's say that together. Bitterness robs you of the ability to be a better person. Bitter people, they never ever get better. Bitterness is like a suction device that sucks bitterness even out of good people. Are you listening? Now, the older son in this story, he was respectable, he was responsible, he was dependable. He was even a good man. Someone say good man. But bitterness sucked life out of him. Let's look at Ephesians 4 from verse 30. You understand what I'm talking about. Ephesians 4 from verse 30. The Bible says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all, all what? Maybe you didn't say that. Get rid of all what? Rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. So one way of grieving the Holy Spirit is by being bitter. 
Are you looking at that? So God is telling somebody today. God has sent me to somebody today. You got to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Amen. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. So in other words, bitterness, it has a root. Bitterness can grow. Bitterness can also cause trouble. Let me say a few things about, about a root. A root lays under the surface of the soil. And like bitterness, it is not easily recognizable. It resides deep inside a person who willfully holds on to dark feelings, ready to take offense, able to keep malice for an indeterminate period of time. Are you listening to somebody? Aristotle, the great philosopher, he says, bitterness, listen, is the resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. A, a couple of, uh, several weeks ago in our home, we had an issue with our sewage system. Someone says sewage system. So when, the, when you flush the toilet, you have your shower, all the nasty things that were meant to flow out of the house, it was sort of backing up. So we called the specialist plumbers, and the guy said, uh, you have a tree in front of your house, which looks very good, but the root of this tree will cost you some money. So the guy put the, a specialist camera and called me to look at the sewage system. The tree on the outside was very good, but the root was causing problems. So I looked inside the camera. The roots I started even snuffing life out of the sewage pipe, cracking the pipes in different places, not allowing the nasty things to flow out of the house. On the outside, perhaps you are just like that beautiful tree, well-dressed, well-spoken, well-spruced up, articulate, looking the path, talking the path, but bitterness has made your heart desperately wicked. Bitterness is not of God, it is of Satan. Let me explain that to you. The Bible in Galatians 5, and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Love, joy, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness, and so on and so forth. On the flip side, someone say flip side. Someone say flip side. The Bible also talks about the works of the flesh which I describe as the fruit of Satan. Now, Galatians 5 from 19, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Now read with me. Hatred, disgust, jealousy, Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Let's stop there. Now, if you look at these two verses in the context of the prodigal brother, the older son, right? If you look at these verses in the context of the older son, you will understand what I'm talking about. The guy hated his brother. There was discord in the family. He was jealous. He was angry. He was selfish. And then 
he was envious. Are you getting what I'm getting? Now, the Bible listed these things, but the Bible makes us to understand that this wasn't an exhaustive list. The Bible says, and the like. In other words, there could be all other things, isn't it? So I'm submitting to you that even you can sort of stick bitterness there, say drunkenness, urges, and bitterness. Amen, somebody. That is the works of the flesh. Now, Apostle Paul was telling the Galatians, whoever is exhibiting those things, whoever is displaying those things, he says, those who live like this will inherit the kingdom of God. Is that not correct? People of God, if you are exhibiting these fruits of Satan, the Bible is saying, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I pray that is not your portion in the name of Jesus. Bitter people are family in the camp of Satan. Because Satan has been expelled even from heaven, sort of going around, killing, stealing, and destroying. Now listen, people of God. What comes out of you is a function of what is rooted in you. By their fruits, what comes out of you is a function of what is rooted in you. The fruit you produce depends on the root inside of you. If the Holy Spirit is rooted in you, you will bring forth love, joy, peace, and those things. But if Satan is rooted in you, you produce hatred, jealousy, anger, and bitterness, just like the older son. Can I prophesy to someone? Every root of bitterness inside of you, by the fire of the Holy Spirit, I cancel them in the name of Jesus. Every anger, every bitterness, every malice, the Lord will help you even to proactively take care of those things and he will help you to move to a new level in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, watch this. There is a propensity or a proclivity or a predisposition or a penchant or an inclination to be bitter. When you are stable, you are consistent, you are obedient, yet everything seems to be going south. You may argue, brother, I got a reason even to be bitter. But let me submit to you. You can never justify doing the wrong thing because we have an understandable reason to do it. Yes, we understand that he did not treat you right. Yes, we understand that she actually abused your generosity. Yes, we know the lied against you. But before God, you cannot defend a terrible action because somebody treated you terribly. Are you listening, somebody? A thing cannot be wrong and be right at the same time. Bitterness is wrong. It is wrong to be bitter even when you've been hurt. It is wrong to be bitter when you've been maligned. It is wrong to be bitter when you've been disrespected. It is wrong to be bitter when you've been wrongly accused. Brother Jones promised to marry you. He said the right things. He, he, he was even a, a, a fire-spitting believer. But at some point, you discovered that he actually proposed to that other sister live on Facebook. And he said, brother, I have a good reason to be bitter. The devil is a liar. It is painful when you supported your boyfriend through school 
And now that he has a good job, he doesn't even return your calls. It is painful when you did the immigration papers even for that woman with the expectation that she will marry you. And then suddenly you discover that she actually had even a family somewhere back in Africa. <laughs> Hallelujah, someone. Isn't it true? Let's be real. I know we are believers. Isn't it true? People of God, whatever the situation, you must choose to be better. In other words, bitterness, it, it, it's a choice. Now, Jesus, he actually had a reason to be bitter with the disciples. When he went even to Gethsemane with the three disciples, the Bible says by the time he came back from praying, they, he said they couldn't tarry even for an hour in prayers. He had a reason to be bitter when after the resurrection, he was in the midst of the disciples. They could not recognize him. He was with them for over three years, doing all kinds of miracles, yet they couldn't recognize him. He had a reason to be bitter. Joseph the dreamer, he had a reason to be bitter with his brothers. They sold him to the Ishmaelites. He had a reason to be bitter with Potiphar's wife, who lied against him. He had a reason to be bitter, even with the chief butler and the cupbearer, because he interpreted their dreams and they forgot him. He had a reason to be bitter. Even Moses had the reason to be bitter with Aaron. He went to receive from God. He was coming down from the mountain. My God, his face was shining of the glory of God. And he started hearing the sound of dancing and singing, even in the tent when Aaron had gathered the people around a molten calf. He had the reason to be bitter. Elijah had the reason to be bitter when God sent him to the brook of Cherith and he got there, he was being fed by ravens, but suddenly the brook, brook dried up. Even the Shunammite woman had the reason to be angry and upset and bitter with Elisha who gave her through the miracle of God a child and the child died. Even the dad in this story had a reason to be bitter with the son. But they chose to be better. The older son, he boycotted the party in verse 30. He said, but when this son of yours, now his language had changed. It's no longer this brother of mine. It is this son of yours. He took your money. He ran away. People of God, he was doing all kinds of things, uh, caressing with women of easy virtues. Uh, and you even killed a fattened calf for me. I was the one feeding the fattened calf. You couldn't even kill a young goat for me. You killed it even for this son of yours. I was chasing even the goats, uh, milking the cows every morning, doing all kinds of things, uh, training the servants. And now, you are killing a fattened calf for this son of yours. Dad, are you living in a real world? When you become like the older son, you become indignant and aggrieved. Your journey becomes longer. You will suddenly see people around you getting blessed. You'll be wondering, what's going on with me? The older son, he wasn't a bad person. He was faithful. 
it was loyal and it was better behaved. But it's not just being better behaved. It's not just being nice that gets you there. Did you notice that David was morally worse than Saul? And Saul was chosen. Saul, I mean, David was chosen to replace Saul. And that's the preaching for another day. David was the kind of person that will identify problems and propose solutions. He will keep on going to God all the time. Create in me a new heart. Renew the right spirit inside of me. Whatever you take, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, the dad in this story, it was a type of God. You know, many of us, we tell God, God, I pay my tithes. I give offering. I'm here all the time. I, I, I fill in my work request. Amen? I'm faithful. When am I going to be celebrated? Can I prophesy to somebody? As long as you remain in the vine, as long as Christ in you, the hope of glory, as long as you are not weary in well-doing, as long as you faint not, I declare this as your due season. Due season of progress, due season of prosperity, due season of hope, due season of good health, in the name of Jesus. Someone say, I receive it, Lord. Number four. Servitude is not the same as service. Let's say that together. A slave serves at the pleasure of the master. A slave is hired, or a servant is hired, a servant. When you hire somebody, you can also do what? You can fire that person. But a son or a daughter is always with you. Even the son or daughter sleeps under the same roof like the master. While the servant, they sleep in the servant quarters. The Bible says concerning Mephibosheth, when David asked for Mephibosheth, David said, this guy will start eating at my table. In other words, I'm promoting this guy even to his son. Verse 28 and 29 of where we read. The youngest, the older son said, Father, I've always been very faithful to you. I have worked for you like a slave. You know, the older son, he had a relationship with the dad, but he had the wrong kind of relationship. He had a relationship even where he was serving the father as a slave through a relationship of duties and rules instead of a personal relationship of love and commitment. He couldn't believe it when the dad said, I want to welcome my son. He demanded, like many of us would, an explanation, and he expected an apology. Now watch this, John. If the dad had told the younger son, I just, you need to go think about it for a couple of weeks before coming back home. If the dad had made life very difficult for the younger son, if the dad had asked him to make him suffer a little bit, maybe the older son would have been not that reluctant to welcome him back home. You know, many of us, we want God to punish those we believe are sinners. You, you heard the news about that sister. Aha, I've been saying it. You heard the news about that brother. Aha, maybe he was even faking the speaking in tongues. 
God has cotton. Are you here, someone? Now, the dad was only going to do what he has always wanted to do. Lavish his love on both children, which sort of upset the older son. We tell the Lord, Lord, I've always been here for you. But that sister who is not even a worker, how come you are blessing her? That brother who couldn't even speak in tongue, how come you are blessing him? Not knowing that the blessings of God doesn't work that way. Some of us are sinners, but the Lord still decided to bless us in any case. I know you are not sinners. Some of us, we've done some terrible things in the past. God still decided even to bless us just because he is God. The older son believed that love was something he had to work for. He thought love was something he had to sleep for. He thought love was something he had to work very hard for. And eventually, he became weary, frustrated, and angry. You know, when you are frustrated and angry, you have a feeling that everything and everyone is working against you. You begin to walk along the aisle. You saw three sisters uh, coming together. You are thinking, maybe they are talking about me. Hallelujah, someone. Rather than allowing love to feel the core of his being, the older son, he tried to fill it with his efforts. He tried to fill it with hard work, hoping that working hard will earn his dad's love. But the Bible says in Ephesians 2, concerning salvation and faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Can I prophesy to someone? Can I prophesy to someone? I, I want to hear a resounding yes. Or, or, or a resounding no. Can I prophesy to somebody? Every spirit of servitude in your life. Every spirit that tells you you have to work so hard for God's love. I banish such spirits. I cancel them in the name of Jesus. I replace the spirit of slaveship with the spirit of sonship in the name of Jesus. You will walk as a son. You will walk tall. The Bible says, Lord is the glory and the lifter of our heads. You will no longer be bowed down. God will lift up your head in the name of Jesus. Glory to God, somebody. Number five, the last one now. And we will pray for some categories of people. It is not about earning God's love, but responding to God's love. It is not about how hard you work, but how diligently you respond to the love of God. The older son said, he was just sort of coming from the fields where he was walking, and he had the sound of rejoicing and dancing and music. I don't know the kind of music they were playing in those days, but I believe it won't be Beyonce. Whatever they are playing was good. So the Bible says, the older son, he asked the servant, what is going on here? And they said, uh, older son, the dad has killed the fattened cow. That fattened cow, you've been fattening for a long time. The dad had killed it, even for your brother, because metaphorically, your brother was lost, and now he is found. And the older son, he refused to have anything to do with the party. He said, dad, I will not join the party. The fattened cow that was meant to be killed for me, you didn't kill it for me. And that said, son, the fattened calf and every livestock in this house have always been yours. 
You are craving for what you could have grabbed years ago. You've been with me always. Yes, you've been reliable. But you did not know that all I have was yours. Every robe in my closet belongs to you. Every servant in this house belongs to you. Every ring in my jewelry box belongs to you. Every food in the storeroom belongs to you. Every sandals in this closet belongs to you. You could have been freed. You could have been delivered. You could have had peace, contentment. You could have prospered only if you have been proactive and not mistaken servitude for service. You don't have to earn my love. Just find rest in my abounding love. I don't know who God is talking to here today. You are the object of my affection. I'm asking you to come back to me. I'm knocking the door of your heart. Your life in Jesus is not just about doing and serving. The life I've called you to in Jesus is a life of love and intimacy with me. I have loved you from eternity. I created you fearfully and wonderfully. I've tattooed you in the palms of my hands. You are the object of my unending love. Who told you that you need to work for my love? Just reciprocate, respond to my love by praising me. You need to learn at my feet just like Mary did. You have been distracted by many things just like Martha. My greatest commandment to you is to love me. Not to slave for me. I call you to abide in me, not to earn my love. But like the dad, God will not force you. He didn't force the younger son to stay at home. He allowed him to wander around. Amen, someone. He didn't force the older son to join the party. God is saying, I am ready, I am willing, I am able to run to you, hugging and kissing. I'm also ready to step out of the party and implore you to join the party like I did, like the dad did with the older son. But again, at the end of the day, it is your choice. It is no longer up to me. My only begotten son has finished the work. I made everything available to you. It is up to you to grab it. It is your time to go after what's yours. It is your time to go after that job. It is your time to go after that promotion. It is your time even to do those things. You can only possess your possession if you pursue your possession. God is saying, it is my good pleasure. Now, uprooting the root of a tree is hard work. Somebody say hard work. The same thing uprooting the root of bitterness is hard work. Somebody say hard work. So when the plumbers, they, they discover the problem, they said this is going to cost you a lot of money. Right? Uprooting the root of bitterness can also cost you a lot of money. But thank God because Jesus already paid the price. Right? So the plumbers, the next day, they brought in heavy equipment. Excavators, bulldozers. And they started digging seven, eight, nine feet under the ground. Destroying the root that was causing problems. And costing money. And they fixed a new sewage pipe there. And everything became good. Uprooting the root of bitterness is hard. Sometimes it's hard work. But God is saying, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? 
I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I just want you to stand up. Be on your feet this morning. We got about five minutes. There's some category of people the Lord wants us to pray for here. And then we'll, be, we'll close. And I'll be done. Amen. Now, a couple of years ago, I just want to preface this. Myself and my family, we went uh, to visit a young couple in the UK. And then after visiting them, we said, can we have a prayer of agreement with you? So the woman said, we got a seven-year-old daughter, but we're trusting God for another daughter, so that our, another child, so that our daughter can have somebody to play with. Amen. So the Lord took me to 2 Kings chapter 4. People of God, from around verse 12. If there is anybody here who has something monumental, something huge that you want to place before God, maybe bitterness has been sucking lot out of you. You can't even have a good relationship. Maybe you're waiting for your green card, for your immigration paper. Maybe you're waiting for your citizenship. Maybe your health is in trouble. Or anything big, anything monumental. God is here, willing and able to sort those things out. You didn't get that. Either, I'm not saying something, you know, there are some things, it's just God has guaranteed those things. But if there's something that needs to shift, the Lord will shift those things here this morning in the name of Jesus. Maybe a career, you want a spouse, you're almost 60, you're still struggling for a spouse, whatever it is that is big, the Lord will shift it. Amen. So, can we have on the, on the screen 2 Kings 4 from around uh, verse 14. The, the Bible says uh, King, uh, uh, the prophet Elisha, he told even his servant Gehazi, what can we do for this woman? And Gehazi said, the woman hasn't got a child. Her husband is getting old. She needs a child. Praise God. So we use this scripture to pray for that couple. I think it was around 2008. And about the same time the following year, they had a baby. Because God honored his word. And the same God at the time of prophet Elisha, the prophet Emeritus, the same God is with us here today. Are you with me, someone? So, the prophet, he prayed with what they call a prophetic license, not poetic license. I believe God didn't show the prophet anything, but the prophet decided to pronounce the word of God, believing that the Lord will even honor his word. Amen, somebody. If you're one of those who have big issues that you want the Lord to sort out between August 2018 and August 2019, just put your hand on your chest. Just, just put your hand on your chest. The prophet said in verse 17, I just, the prophet said, I want to declare unto you, the prophet said in verse 17, let's go back to 15 and then 16. He said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. And the prophet said, about 
this time next year. For those of you who have put your hands on your chest, the God watches over his word to perform it. I'm declaring the word of God. Whether it's bitterness, I don't know what the situation is. Whether it's bitterness, whether you have issues with the relationship between yourself and your parents, I am declaring about this time next year, you will be here to give a testimony. You didn't get that. I say about this time next year, the Lord will have visited you the same way he visited Hannah and the Lord will give you a testimony. I don't know what the issue is, but as long as the Lord is in heaven, it will remain in heaven. The Bible says heaven is his throne. The earth is footstool. About this time next year, that thing you are trusting God for, you will hold it in your hands in the name of Jesus. If you are trusting the Lord for your baby, the Lord will do it. If you are trusting the Lord for immigration issues, the Lord will do it. If you are trusting the Lord for good health, he is able to do it. There are some of you. Next year you will go for your physical. Your doctor will be wondering, how come your blood work is saying something different? They will not know that the Lord has done a good thing in your life. They will not know that there has been a blood transfusion in your life. I decree about this time next year. Mark, just, just lift up your voices. Just, just lift up your voice. I just got a minute or two. Just lift up your voices. About this time next year, that intractable issue, that issue that hasn't moved for years, that issue shall move. Maybe you have somebody in your family who has mental health issues. I am declaring, I am decreeing. About this time next year, maybe the doctors have told you you will never have a baby. That is the lie of the devil. The world told Hannah, Hannah, you are you are parent. You will not have a baby. That is the lie of the devil. Even Elizabeth, who was old, advanced in age, about this time next year, everything you are asking God for now. There are some people here. A bitterness has eaten deep inside of you. Jesus. Just be quiet for a minute. You know, bitterness could be something that is dormant. You will not know you have bitterness in you until that friend of yours got that promotion. And then you'll be wondering, God, this should be me. I should be celebrated. Lift up your voices and pray. Every root of bitterness, everything that is dragging you back, everything that is slowing you down, the Lord will touch you. The Lord will renew your mind. The Lord will make you a new person. In the name of Jesus. One more thing. There is somebody here. I don't know your neighbor. Maybe at work. Maybe at church. The Lord is blessing that person. And you begin to wonder. When will I be blessed? But the Lord says as you tell you. Because your neighbor is being blessed. I am in the neighborhood. And if God is in the neighborhood, that means God will visit you next. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare, as you trust the Lord, as you hand all these issues to the Lord, the Lord will visit you, the Lord will abide in your home, the Lord will sort out your issues, the Lord will make you a new person, the Lord will do all those things he has always promised to do in your life. Someone say, yes, Lord. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Yes. Glory to God, Agape. Clap for Jesus. 
Somebody clap for Jesus. 